Chapter Twenty Four of the Four Pools Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Four Pools Mystery by Jean Webster. Chapter Twenty Four. Polly makes a proposal. I was dropped in Kennisburg to attend to the legal formalities respecting Radnor's release, while Terry appropriated the horses and drove to Mather's Hall. His last word to Madison and me was not to let a whisper reach Radnor's ear as to the outcome of the investigation. He wanted a spectacular denouement. The sheriff ascended very soberly. The truth had at last forced itself upon him that his chances with Polly were over. Terry reappeared two hours later, with a very excited young woman beside him. They joined us in the bare little parlour of the jail, and if Madison needed any further proof that the end had come, Polly's greeting furnished it. An embarrassed flush rose to her face as she saw him, but she shook hands in a studiously impersonal way, and asked immediately for Radnor. Madison met the situation with a dignity I had scarcely expected. He called a deputy and turned us over to him, and with the remark that his services were happily no longer needed, he bowed himself out. I saw him two minutes later recklessly galloping down the street. Polly's eyes also followed the rider, and for a second I detected a shade of remorse. As we climbed the stairs, Terry fell back and whispered to me, I tell you, I laid down the law coming over here. We'll see if she's game. As the door of the cell was thrown open, Rad raised his head and regarded us with a look of bewildered astonishment. Polly walked straight in and laid her hand on his shoulder. Radnor, she said, you told me you would never ask me again to marry you. Did you really mean it? Rad still stared confusedly from her to Terry and me. Well, Polly sighed. If you did mean it, then I suppose I'll have to ask you. Will you marry me, Radnor? I laid a hand on Terry's arm and backed him, much against his will, into the corridor. Joe! You don't suppose he's going to refuse her, he inquired in a stage whisper. No such luck, I laughed. We took a couple of turns up and down the corridor and cautiously presented ourselves in the doorway. Polly was telling, between laughing and crying, the story of Moses' discovery. Radnor came to meet us, his left arm still around Polly, his right hand extended to Terry. "'Will you shake hands, Patton?' he asked. "'I'm afraid I wasn't very decent, but you know.' "'Oh, that's no matter,' said Terry easily. "'I wasn't holding it up against you, "'but I hope you realise, Gaylord, "'that it's owing to me you've won Miss Mathers. "'She never would have got up the courage to ask you if.' "'Yes, I should,' flashed Polly. "'I wanted him too much ever to let him slip through my fingers again.' Terry's boast came true, and Radnor dined at Four Pools Plantation that night. 
The news of his release had in some way preceded us, and as we drove up to the house, all the Negroes came crowding out on the portico to welcome home young Mars Rate. But the one person who, whatever the circumstances, had always been first to welcome him back was missing, and the poor boy felt his homecoming a very barren festival. Terry was steadfast in the assertion that he had an engagement in New York the next day, and as soon as supper was over I drove him to the station. He was in an ecstatically self-satisfied frame of mind. "'Do you know I'm a pretty all-round fellow?' he observed in a burst of confidence. "'I've always known better than the proprietor how the paper ought to be run, and I can give the police points about detective work. I'm something of a cook, and I can play the hand organ like pat of whiskey, but this is the first time I ever tried my hand at matchmaking, and it comes as easy as a murder mystery.' You think that their engagement is due to you. But, isn't it? If it weren't for me, they'd have to all to go over again from the beginning, and there's no telling how long they take about it. I hope they appreciate your services, Terry. You're so modest that what you do is in danger of being overlooked. They appreciate me fast enough, returned Terry imperturbably. I promised Polly to spend my first vacation with them after they're married. Oh, you'll see. I'll make a farmer one of these days. I laughed and then said seriously, Whether you made the marriage or not, you have cleared Radnor's name from any suspicion of dishonour, and I don't know how we can ever sufficiently show our gratitude. That's all right said Terry, with a deprecatory wave of his hand. I enjoyed it. Never did anything just like it before. I've arranged a good many funerals of one sort or another, but this is the first time I ever arranged a marriage. And, Jove, but I could make a story out of it, he added regretfully. If she'd only let me tell the truth. The events which I have chronicled happened a number of years ago, and Four Pools has never since figured in the papers. I trust that its public life is ended. In spite of the most far-reaching search, the murderer of Colonel Gaylord was never found. Radnor and I have always believed that he was lynched by a mob in West Virginia some two years later. The description of the man tallied exactly with the appearance of the tramp my uncle had thrashed, and something he said in his anti-mortem statement made us very sure of the fact. Mose, until the time of his death, was an honoured member of the household, but he did not long outlive the colonel. The memory of the tragedy he had witnessed seemed to follow him constantly, an unreasoning terror looked from his eyes, and he started and shivered at every sound. The poor fellow had lost what few wits he had ever possessed, but the one rational gleam that stayed with him to the end was his love for his old master. When he lay dying, Radnor tells me, he roused, after hours of unconsciousness, to call the colonel's name. I have always felt 
that this devotion spoke equally well for both of them. The old man must have had some splendid traits underneath his crusty exterior to awaken such unquestioning love in a person of Moses' instinctive perceptions. Perhaps after all, half-idiot though he was, Mose could see clearer than the rest of us. He now lies in the little family burying ground on the edge of the plantation, a stone's throw from the grave of Colonel Gaylord. There has never been any further rumour of a hand at Four Pools, and we hope that the family ghost is laid forever. The deserted cabins have been torn down, and the fourth pool dredged and confined, prosaically enough, within its banks. Its mysterious charm is gone, but it yields every season some fifteen barrels of watercress. It was the following April, a year from the time of my first visit, that Terry and I snatched a couple of days from our work, purchased new frock coats, and served as ushers at Polly's wedding. She and Radnor have been living happily at Four Pools ever since, and the house with a young mistress is a very different place from the house as it used to be. Marriage and responsibility have improved Radnor immensely. He has developed from a recklessly headstrong boy into a keen, rational, upright man, I am sure that Polly has never for a moment had cause to regret her choice. When the estate was settled, Radnor, very justly, insisted on breaking his father's will and giving to Jeff his rightful share of the property. Jeff has since become middle-aged and respectable. He owns a raisin ranch in Southern California with fifty Chinamen to run it. When he comes back, to Four Pools Plantation, on an occasional visit, he occupies the guest room. End of chapter 24 End of The Four Pools Mystery by Jean Webster Read for LibriVox by Lucy Burgoyne This recording is in the public domain.